Welcome to this BJSM podcast. My name is Brooke Patterson. I'm a physiotherapist and postdoctoral research fellow at La Trobe University Sport and Exercise Medicine Research Centre in Melbourne, Australia. Today I'm joined by Associate Professor Hannah Limbong, who is a physiotherapist and researcher and lecturer at Linköping University in Sweden. Her research focuses on injury prevention in team sports, and she's a part of the SWIPE team led by Professor Martin Haglin. SWIPE stands for Sport Without Injury Program, and they've led many large prospective injury surveillance projects and have developed the Knee Control Program. Today, we're going to discuss Hannah's latest paper in the BJSM, which evaluated the efficacy of the extended knee control program in adult and adolescent amateur football players. Welcome to the podcast, Hannah. Thank you. Now, Hannah, can you start by summarising what the Knee Control Injury Prevention Program is? Yes. Uh, The original program was developed in 2005 and has been available in Sweden since then. Uh, It has five, uh, sorry, six main exercises. the one-legged knee squat, two-legged knee squat, lunges, jump landing technique, uh, the, ba- the bench or the plank, what you would, would like to call it, and pelvic lifts. Uh, so these are the six main exercises, and we have uh, five different options for each main exercise. And the, the idea is that uh, the coach will uh, choose one of the uh, variations of each main exercise and use with the, his or her team. Uh, two times per week in three sets and eight to 15 repetitions, preferably together with the warm-up before uh, training. Uh, The program was developed both for football, handball, uh, basketball and floorball, but uh, we have, uh, in the beginning, it was mainly used in football and later on we have studied it also in handball and floorball. Then the extended knee control program is something we developed because we noticed that many coaches modified the original program. They didn't use the program as often as intended or they replaced some of the main exercises with other exercises. And then we believe that maybe we should modify the program for them to to make it better fit their team. Those who coached the youngest players found that the exercises in the original program were difficult. And those who coached the senior players, they believed that the exercises were too easy. Uh, So because of that, we developed an extended version that we hoped would be able to fit both the youngest and the senior players. So instead of having five options per main exercise, we have 10. So we have 60 exercise variations within the neuromuscular exercise component. We also added a running warm-up in the extended knee control. As a coach, you seldom use the exercises yourself. You go around your players and uh, correct their technique and help them with the exercises. And then you will have no idea whether they have done eight or 15 repetitions. So so in the extended knee control, we recommend time in each uh, exercise instead. That they do each exercise in 30 to 60 seconds because then they could set a timer uh, to to know how, how long the players have done each exercise. Uh, and we also have a maximum time limit for, for the program to be 20 minutes so, to avoid that they use it for far too, too much time because then they won't have any time for their 
uh, ordinary training, such as football training, then they will only do the uh, injury prevention training. And, and that what uh, few players would appreciate it, that, I think. That's an awesome description, Hannah, um, of those modifications that you've made to the program. And obviously, yeah, time is a big barrier for the coaches um, and it's great that the program spans across so many different sports as well so it's a really good one for practitioners to kind of have a look at um, because there is some yeah what's the evidence behind the program in those different sports uh, the first study was done in uh, youth female football and that, in, in this study we showed 64 percent reduction in ACL injury uh, incidence rates uh, but in, in our later studies, we have also showed positive effects in uh, youth, male and female uh, floorball with 45% lower incidence of acute injuries. Uh, and there is also a study in uh, youth, female and male handball uh, that showed uh, lower knee injury rates with 31%. That's great. And they're like great clinical trials. And we'll, we'll put the links to those studies in the show notes as well. So let's talk about the new study. Um, yeah. So this is where you're comparing um, the extended knee control program that, that you just described versus an adductor strength program in adolescent and adult men um, and women playing football. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And yeah. so can you explain, you've already explained what the knee extended knee control is. Can you kind of, yeah, give us a little bit of insight of what the, the comparator, that adductor strength program was and I guess what was the motivation for comparing these two interventions? Initially, we intended to compare with the adductor strengthening program uh, as uh, identical to the the one that Juar Hare and the, his team in Norway has used. Uh, uh, but then there was a pandemic and we had to modify the program uh, because uh, this uh, program includes mainly the Copenhagen adduction, and that's a partner exercise. And we were forced to add some individual exercises to the program. So we had the original adductor strengthening program, but we added two adductor squeeze exercises that the players could do by, by themselves to avoid close contact with another player. Uh, so that was our comparison. And they we followed the same... Um, progression of uh, repetitions uh, during the build-up period as, uh, as in the original program. So we started with uh, three to five repetitions and carried on uh, progressing to, to, to 12 to 15 repetitions during the uh, pre-season. And uh, the same with the training frequency. We, uh, during the build-up period, they used it two to three times per week. And then during the competitive season, they were recommended to use it once per week. Uh, just as in the original program. We, we believe that it is difficult nowadays to, to have a pure control group that doesn't do anything at all. So, so that's why we used a control group that had another program. Because then we had, the, the programs were each other's, not each other's, they were controlled for each other. Because we, we focused on injuries to the hamstring, knee and ankle combined and injuries to the groin muscles uh, and there are no exercises in the extended knee control focusing on uh, the groin muscles and the adductor program only focuses on it so, so in that way the adductor program is a control uh, with regards to uh, injuries to the hamstring knee and ankle and the extended knee control is a control when it comes to uh, groin injuries 
No, that's a great explanation. And then you also had a, a non um another comparator um as well that wasn't randomized as a comparison. Can you just explain what that was? Yeah. Uh, today in Sweden, uh, most teams, I believe, use some kind of preventive training, and that is really positive. Uh, but that, that means that it's quite difficult to include uh, teams that have not done any preventive training on, on beforehand. Uh, we succeeded with this, ob- obviously, but we we believe that it would be interesting to see how, how does it look in these team th- teams that already use uh, preventive training. Uh, so, so this non-randomized arm uh, com- uh, included teams that... Uh, already used a preventive program, most used the knee control program, but they could use any program really. So they had already used this for at least one year previously, and they continued doing so during the study. So then we believe that it would be interesting to compare injury rates with this group as well. And they didn't receive any intervention in the study, but used their program as they had before. So it's almost like, you know, what's the additional benefit of doing the extended version and having that little bit of extra support, I guess, is the the key difference. Yes, and, and, and also that you somehow you, you don't affect this group in any way. You just study it within the, the real world context or what you call it. Whereas the other groups, obviously, they, they get the benefits of be, being part of a randomized trial with education and support and so on. Whereas this group, maybe the coaches had had some education in the preventive program, but we didn't offer it anyway. So, so the, somehow the, they represent the real world, I'd say. Yeah, no, that's very very good point. Uh, what kind of support and education did you provide the extended knee control and adductor strength groups? Uh, both groups uh, had uh, or were offered workshops in their respective programs. So, so we introduced them into the program and the exercises. Uh, due to the pandemic, we, we, we didn't have time to do workshops with all teams because the, then the uh, everything shut down. So, so for some teams, we went uh, on the site visits and introduced the, the program for a team at a time during their training. But all teams except one had practical education in the program. And we also had digital material and they also got printed folders with their program. But we had digital material with films and then they had instructions for each exercise in the, the respective program. Fantastic that you're able to kind of pivot and, and still get a trial done during during the pandemic, pandemic. So congratulations on that. All right, what we've all been waiting for. What did you find? Yes. Uh, when it comes to injuries to the hamstring, knee and ankle uh, that we focus on together, uh, we found 29% lower injury incidence uh, in the extended knee control group compared to the comparison group. And if we focus on uh, prevalence rates instead, we found 17% and 26% lower weekly prevalence rates in these three uh, locations as well, the hamstring, knee and ankle in extended knee control compared to the other two groups. And if we, we focus on the groin injury incidence or prevalence, we did not find any effect from the uh, adductor program 
Uh, however, the adductor group was the smallest. Uh, obviously, we had some dropouts during the study uh, because of the pandemic. So, so the adductor group ended up quite small and especially with few male players. So probably these results are affected by low power. And uh, additionally, the, the adductor group was not fully compliant either. So, so we, we have to be quite... Uh, uh, careful when considering the results fr from the uh, adductor program, I think. But there was some extra benefit of the extended knee control compared to those two other groups. Yes, certainly, because that, that group was larger as well. So we have the power yep. for that. That's very good. Um, and, you know, obviously those modifications, you know, have hopefully given the, the coaches some more um yeah, variations and ability to make it work for them. So what are the next steps for the knee control program? Um, yeah, are there any future studies planned or, um, yeah, knowledge translation activities with the, the leagues or the, the teams? Yeah, uh, first of all, this extended knee control program was some kind of pilot ver version, I'd say. So so we, when we have had tried it, we, we decided to add uh, the uh, adductor program uh, as well as other adductor exercises, exercises within this program. Uh, so now we have what we call knee control plus. Uh, and in, in this one, we have also have six main exercises identical to the extended version and the original, uh, but we have uh, combined one-legged knee squats and two-legged knee squats are one main exercise in this program. And then we had room for uh, an extra exercise, and that is the focusing on the on growing strength strengthening. So we have the knee control plus, and it also includes sixty exercise variations. And this program we have spread um, mainly within our own uh, football district, but from this year also, uh, no, from last year also nationally in Sweden, uh, and we so. Knee Control Plus is available both uh, digitally and uh, the Swedish Floorball Association has published uh, their version of the program adapted for floorball. And uh, the Swedish Football Association uh, is working on uh, fi creating films this uh, year. It's been fantastic, uh, yeah, chatting to you, Martin, and yeah, the, the support that you have from the associations and federations in getting the program out there. So, again, congratulations on that. Now, Thank just you. to finish off, what does it mean for practitioners that are listening in who they might be recommending injury prevention programs to coaches and athletes? Uh, to, to say... To take it simple, uh, the numbers needed to treat is seven. That means to, to prevent one injury to the hamstring, knee and ankle, seven players must perform the extended knee control during one season. Uh, so, so, we will, so the team will probably notice positive effects from the program. And uh, I also think it's interesting to see this comparison group that did not have as low injury rates as the extended knee control program. Uh, that may tell us that many teams use a, a program that is not really effective. Um, because probably those teams in the comparison group, perhaps they had modified the program, just what, what we wanted to prevent with, with the extended knee control. They had, maybe they didn't do all exercises or not with the correct dosage and frequency. So, so I think it's important for coaches to 
remember to use to follow the recommendations regarding uh, injury progression and uh, dosage and frequency to, to really uh, get as positive effects as they can. Then I also think that if, if you are a coach, uh, it, it is really important that you know all exercises, that you can do them yourself you're not just <laughs> stand on the side and tell the players what to do. Um, and I th- also think it's important to consider how to introduce the exercises to the players, both how to explain the exercises, but also why are you doing this, uh, to try and get the players motivated uh, and make them see uh, w- why they do this. Uh, I-, I don't really think it matters whether uh, you use the 11 plus knee control or knee control plus. I, I think the important thing is that you use it uh, with enough, uh, uh, often enough to, to be able to have an effect. And these programs are quite similar. So, so I don't think it's really only about the specific exercises, but that, that you use them and that, that you use them often enough and with enough dosage to, to get the training effect. Great. Thank you so much, Hannah. Um, really enjoyed hearing a little bit more about the study and the, the motivation and the rationale behind it. And um, we'll definitely link all the, the papers and the, the resources. Um, is there anything else, um, any other resources that you would point clinicians or practitioners in um, the direction of, or yeah, can they get in contact with you in uh, any specific way? Unfortunately, we don't have the program in English right now. Uh, we're working on uh, translating it to English. Right now, it's only in Swedish, and that's uh, ob- obviously a barrier. Um, but of course, you, you can email me and I, we can discuss it, but, but we don't have a program material in English uh, at the moment. However, you can al- al- always look at the films, of course, but they're in Swedish, <laughs> so it's difficult in that way. But we have you can see the, the exercises and how how we want the players to do them, but, but we don't have it in English at the moment. I know the papers do have a really good description, um, whether it's in the paper or the um, supplementary files of all the different activities, so I'd encourage people to, to check those out. Um, all right, we'll wrap it up there. Um, we hope you enjoyed listening to this BJSM podcast and uh, I hope you have a physically active day. 